Focus on the Family is next. And don't forget, you can always connect with us on Facebook. Well, I'm John Fuller, and on today's episode of Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, we're going to explore how your money can impact your marriage. Well, it's true. Uh, We're in a bit of a financial fix, but we've been this way for a long time. Well, we wouldn't have these problems if you would just make more money. More money. Or get a second job. Second job. You know, it really doesn't matter how much I make. You'd find a way to spend it Uh, all anyway. Oh, oh, so it's my fault, is it? Yes. What about that new stereo you purchased last month without telling me? I told you that was from my office. The office, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. but yeah, you're always buying more before. clothes, shoes, yeah, and well, makeup. Yeah, well, computer parts, hello, tools. Uh, excuse I me. I mean, come on, yeah, look really? at those shoes that you got on now. John, that sounds pretty intense, right? It does, yes. <laughs> Hopefully, wow. we're not living in that space, but mm. maybe some are, and money can be a touchy subject for husbands and wives. It always ranks as number one or number two of marital conflict. And today we want to talk about that. Uh, most, if not all, of the decisions we make usually involve money. Purchase this, don't purchase that. Maybe like a car or maybe like just a vacation or something else you got to do as a couple. Money's involved. It's a part of our everyday lives. We've got to get a handle on it. Yep. And, you know, there's a reason why I think most couples in their wedding vows, say for richer or for poorer, That means something. And uh, today, again, we want to equip you to be able to manage your money in such a way that it reduces, it may not eliminate, but it will reduce conflict in your marriage. Yeah, and Taylor and Megan Kovar are here. Uh, They're authors, speakers, and financial planners who have a passion to help couples and families achieve financial freedom and uh, a peaceful home, which is a good goal and also a thriving marriage. And uh, Taylor and Megan are known as the money couple. They've written a book called The Five Money Personalities, Speaking the Same Love and Money Languages. Taylor and Megan, welcome to Focus. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yes, thank you so much. How did you two get involved in this? I mean, it's not like I don't think you wake up or you get married and say, honey, I got an idea for us. Why don't we become financial coaches and planners? Yeah, it was not an overnight thing. Um, and I am a certified financial planner. So my wife, uh, Megan, she's more of a stay-at-home mom. So she is along for the ride a lot of times. Well, on the finance side of things, um, she's much more the writer and I'm more the speaker. Um, but she is a tremendous asset when it comes to working with couples. And well, hang on a second. I got, you know, you can lay out the financial plan. Yeah. But if Megan doesn't do it, so you must be a good partner in that when you have agreement on this plan. Absolutely. We learned early on that we did not speak the same language when it came to money, and we needed a lot of help in order to get on the same page. So this is how some of this was born. In fact, we did a little research in the book and found that you Mm. you like Mustangs. I was a Camaro guy. I did like Mustangs. I did. So you actually wanted to buy a Mustang. I did. Yeah. (laughs) So you know, being young and in love, so Megan and I started dating at fourteen. So we had practically raised each other. That's awesome. And um, And we put dating in quotation marks because at that point there were no cell phones, no internet. I mean, our dating consisted of meeting each other at church every Sunday. Yeah, and and so dating was you know we use that term loosely, but since fourteen we had been together, and I. We got, we're getting older, and I was like, hey. Like 16, 17. 16, 17, exactly. <laughs> Much yes. older. Practically Much older. Yes. Thinking about Social Security. Yes. Thinking yes. We, were, we were grown. Um, and I 
I thought it would be a great idea to surprise this woman that I was hoping to marry by buying a brand new car because I could finally afford it. And um, I didn't really tell her. Instead, I just went and picked it out and had to have my dad co-sign because I had no credit and really no money and I couldn't afford it, but it was cool. And <laughs> I thought she would think it was really cool. And so I bought this car, drove to her house, and what I thought was going to be just this amazing, like, you know, show of gratitude, and you're so awesome, and you're the coolest guy ever, so glad I get to marry you one day, hopefully, um, again at 18, instead was complete opposite of... What, what what were you doing? What were you, what were you thinking when you bought this car? I did. You can't even afford rent. Why are you buying a car? And um, it really did not turn out the way I thought it was going to. Huh, you yeah. know, going back a minute, uh, you were kind of saying you're the uh, finance guy, and yeah. sounds like Megan might have a good sense for finance here. She did. So my financial journey started then, um, and that's what led to today because I had not thought a thing about money growing up. My parents were blue collar workers, uh, but really lived paycheck to paycheck. You you know, yep. gave a lot of money away and, and just that was it. They lived on overtime and that's how I was raised. And um, he also came from a large family. There's nine children. So I don't mm. know if you can necessarily save a lot when right. you have Yeah, that you got to stretch every dollar right. in that context. Yes. You know, I, I said a moment ago that money tends to be one of the top two, three points of conflict in marriage. But you say couples really aren't arguing about money. What are they arguing about? For us, it's really about how they how people think about money and how we talk about money or the lack of talking about money. Um, and so a lot of times it's not so much that they spent the money on maybe the Mustang, in this case it was, um, <laughs> but or you know the Camaro or the Starbucks coffee. It's really that you didn't communicate to me about that or why you feel like you need X, Y, or Z. Um, that ends up causing a lot of problems in marriages. Why do you think budget is such a bad word in a marriage? Yikes, budget. I think that people see budget and think it's rules for them. They're adults. They're making the money. So why should I be given rules as to how I'm spending that money? Oh, that's insightful. Yeah, that's true. We don't like accountability, do right. we? Right. So you speak about money relationship. What is a money relationship? Like me and my banker? I <laughs> uh, love you know you and your spouse. Uh, okay. You know we we talk about a lot with marriages in general, and, and we're big advocates of, of marriage conferences and investing in your marriage. And what a lot of people think is, oh well, you know we're having date night, and you know we are physically intimate, and you know we have time away, and we go on vacations, and we communicate. But it's really that money relationship that a lot of people just forget about. We we don't bring up some of it's shame and guilt because we spent money we shouldn't have had, um, or we're hiding money that. Um, you know, we have or don't have. And so that, that money relationship really drives a big part of the trust that goes on between a husband and a wife. It's true. It kind of cuts through the fog. And if there's conflict there, there's something you need to work on, right? Yeah. You knew an older couple. I think they've been married more than 40 years, if I remember correctly. Right. And they had all this uh, kind of misery in their marriage, but they have plenty of money. So, you know, for the couple starting out, going, all we need is more money and we would be happier and have a better marriage. doesn't always work that way, right? Does no, not. absolutely not. I think so often everything comes back to communication. Not only if we have more money, we'll do better, but also some people think if we have a child, our marriage will be fixed. If we have a different job, if we have a new friend group, and it all comes back 
to communication. What happened in that man and his wife's situation? M- married 40 years and had lots of money, but they were yeah. miserable. Yeah, so what we found, you know, we were talking with this couple and had a great financial plan, had a lot of money compared to the majority of people, you know, that, that are out there, um, and came to us one day and said, hey, we're we're done. We're calling it quits. And I was like, hey, you're in, you're in the prime of life, right? You're getting to enjoy, in theory, you get to enjoy retirement or about to enjoy retirement. Um, and what it came down to is she always wanted to see more money in the account. And he was felt confident in where they were. And, and so over the years, he would, you know, contribute less to his 401k when she mm-hmm. wanted him to contribute more. And it was just always kind of underlying there. And as they were getting closer and closer to retirement, she realized I wanted to see a bigger number there. And even though as a their financial advisor, I was like, you're very safe. You have a very safe nest egg. Here's all the, you know, the um, the scenarios and everything. Everything looks really good. She wanted to see more. Um, and I don't know if it was really so much she wanted to see more as she just wanted to feel heard. She wanted to feel that he understood where she was coming from. And, and he never took that approach. Yeah. He always just said, Look, we're we're putting back four percent. It's enough. We're putting back seven percent. It's enough, and never really explained. Maybe, hey, baby, I understand you feel that way. How can we come to an agreement here, right? Yeah. If, if we put five in instead of four, and I could still use the other percentage on something else, um, they never really had those conversations, and ultimately it led to them being divorced right when they're about to be able to really Seriously, enjoy retirement. They did divorce. They did. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, that's a sad outcome. It is. Yeah, it's very sad, and um, and that really opened our eyes to. Why are couples feeling this way? There's something yeah. ingrained in us that we think differently about money. Well, and part of it's talking about it. That's why we're talking about it mm-hmm. today, because we don't want you, the listener or viewer, to be in that spot. You know, be married 40 years and look at things differently and have this conflict where it's insurmountable. I mean, that's not the goal for us as Christians, particularly. You do something in this book, which I think is really good, and that's put personality to money Types, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but let's talk about those five personality types and give a little description mm-hmm. to each one. Sure. So there are five um, money personalities that we have discovered, and that starts with we have a saver, spender, risk taker, security seeker, and also a flyer. Oh, I just like flyer already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a fun one. It sounds fun, right? Yeah, they, yeah. Are, they are really fun. Except you pay the piper. You do. Yeah. yeah. And so yes. after interviewing literally thousands of couples, right, and we've done this, um, we've identified these five different money personalities that are out there. I mean, a lot of people, when we talk about how you think about money, it's usually saver and spender, right? And that's right. usually where people stop. Yeah. Well, I'm a saver, she's a spender, and that's all it comes down to. Well, and every saver is a spender to a degree. To a degree. Because you got to spend right. money. you got to spend money. And, right. And then yeah. every spender has to hopefully save something. Yeah. And but. so what, what we found is is everybody has two money personalities. You have a primary and a secondary okay. that kind of okay. jump out, right? Um, that's how we put it. So Megan is a saver security seeker. And I tend to be a spender risk taker, which are two very opposite Total ways of thinking opposites. about money. We're already hearing conflict. <laughs> yes. 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 I mean, it's from the Mustang, right? Ever since then. That was a tell. It was, yeah, <laughs> yeah very much so. Um, and so savers, you know, the, the very basic, they like to save money. Like the woman in our story, she wanted to see the money in the account. Um, she yeah. wanted to see the hard dollars there. Um, didn't really care to see it in a rent house. She wanted to see it in the account. Um, and so savers, Meg is a great example of a saver. <laughs> yes. So I am a saver and um, I'm also a tad bit of a security seeker, but as a saver, um, of course, like everyone knows, we love to save money. Taylor is very big on 
Well, we are saving money. We are putting money away by investing in this real estate or investing in land or different things. But for me, I want to see the money in the account. I want to know how much is in the account at all times. One of the things that definitely gives me away as a saver is I love to go out and have a good time but it's gonna be on a budget. Like me and the kids, every summer, we like look at the movie theater schedule and see that they have a dollar summer movie club. <laughs> right. Now we have already watched all of these movies because they're from last year. Oh, so yeah. we've already oh, yeah. seen yeah. the movies, but we're going to go because I know we can watch the movie for a dollar, we can get popcorn and soda and we're gonna have a great time. And to me that satisfies my little bit of spender, but also lets me know that we're having a great time and saving money at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking about buying soda and popcorn for a dollar, I'd go just for that. That's right. crazy good price. Right. Yeah. We don't even have to watch the movie. Just <laughs> Forget the movie, that. kids. Yes. Put these blinders on. That's yes. your popcorn. <laughs> That's a good Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, help me understand how our faith, and this is really critical because you can be a good Christian and be a saver. Mm-hmm. You probably will pat yourself on the back maybe a little more than your spouse who may be a spender. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're still saved in Christ, right? Right. So how do we we recognize different personalities and then kind of pull some more of those outrageous attributes in a little bit to give them some discipline, I guess? Yeah, I think a lot of that starts with, you know, understanding what you're – how you think about money. Um, you know, we can say I'm a saver, I'm a spender, but in reality, if you, if you don't really know, if you haven't studied it or, or took the time, and we do have a, a free assessment online, um, it's fivemoneypersonalities.com, or you can go and take the assessment. That's great. Just takes a few minutes, um, dives into your money personality. And so we use that to, um, one, start the conversation. And, you know, all throughout the, the scriptures, there's examples of savers and spenders and flyers and, and all of these different money and personalities. And so once we know how we think about money um, and we're able to communicate that, it really opens up the communication between a, a, a husband and a wife. And so that's where we usually start is yeah. let's take the assessment, let's figure out where we are, and then let's utilize some resources that are at our disposal to communicate better. We find a lot of people want to have hard money conversations at the most inopportune times. Mm-hmm. You know, I come home because I'm a risk taker and I'm like, hey, I got this new business idea. Let's, you know, we're going to do this. And I walk in the door because I'm all excited about it. And Megan's sitting there trying to cook dinner. And, you know, the house is a wreck because the kids had just walked in from, you know, playing out outside and everything's just crazy. And I'm trying to throw this business idea at her. And it's like, hey, that's that's not the right time. Right? So that's a whole different problem. Whole different <laughs> Timing problem. Is <laughs> Timing is a, is, a, is a very big problem. And so, um, but getting on that same page, yeah. understanding, hey, let's let's find a time that works for both of us. Let me make sure I answer the questions before you So let you me just them. make sure. So you don't like set candles up in the bedroom and you come to the bedroom and go, honey, I've got a great deal for us. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the financial that's talk. That's a different thing, <laughs> yeah, that's right? A different, yeah, that's a different time. <laughs> I can imagine this. You get snuggle into bed and go. That's not going to be I've romantic. I've got a, an yeah. eye on a piece of property that I think would be that's just right. great. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> now, he has. He has done that without the candles. But I would definitely say crawling into bed is also not the perfect time to have these conversations. Yeah. See, this yeah. is good advice. Let me let me ask you. We've, you know, saver spender, pretty obvious. Risk taker, pretty obvious. Security seeker. That's, you know, put it under your pillow, put it in the mattress kind of person, safe, safe, safe. And then that flyer. Flyer can be interesting because you're saying there it's, that person's not motivated by money but very content with life. 
big on relationships, happy to let someone else take care of the finances. That sounds like a committed Christian to me. It is, yes. <laughs> As a flyer. That's right. No, I just want to say, too, do some of these conflict? Like, I could see somebody, it's almost schizophrenic, but a spender security seeker. It is. Can so you have that combo? You can, yeah. And so what we say is you, everybody has a primary and a secondary. And that primary is, is how you think about money 90 plus percent of the time. Right. So that's how you are day in, day out. And that secondary one pops up usually in times of stress, usually when you've had a bad day. And so um, we like to call it the backseat driver. Uh. It's like pumping, trying to pump the brakes on things sometimes. That's yeah. 10% well, I'm thinking of the time. somebody in the aisle going, buy it, don't buy it, buy it, don't yes. buy it. I mean, they're like, wow, what am I doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, typically, you know, when somebody's had a bad day and they say, man, I just, you know, I deserve to so have a good meal. comfort buying. Comfort buying. Okay. Yeah. Retail therapy is Retail like therapy, <laughs> right. yes. Right. So you those, guys are so well educated out. in yeah. this. <laughs> um, moving to scripture, which is really critical. <laughs> you know, how does God see these personalities? I think Philippians 4 is a good place to ask this question where, of course, Paul's writing and says, you know, be content in every situation. I've learned to be content if I have a lot or if I have a little. Mm. Um, How do we find that contentment in a culture that is saturated with consumerism? You know, I think Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and I think it speaks to that really well, especially to today where, you know, we think, oh, if we have more money, oh, if we have this nicer car, oh, if we had more vacations, or, you know, we're, we're idolizing people we see on Instagram and, and social media. If we just had that, you know, we would be set. And this, you know, Ecclesiastes does an amazing job of saying, hey, I've had all this, right? Because I've had, I've had everything you can imagine, but it all comes down to our relationship with God, right? If we, if we keep him number one and, and really the center of all that we do, we can be content in all situations. Um, if we just give him our fears, our worries, our concerns, our joy, everything becomes a lot more in focus. Um, in your book, The Five Money Personalities, you address something called financial infidelity. I mean, that sounds like a big, hot word, infidelity, obviously. What's financial infidelity? For us, financial infidelity comes from one, a lack of communication, but when we think of infidelity, most people think of physical infidelity. Correct. And we don't think, well, financial, well, me spending this money and my spouse not knowing about it is not nearly as bad as me having some other type of an affair. Um, but in reality, a lot of those same emotions come up uh, when those when financial infidelity occurs. And so, you know, we, we talk about financial infidelity in a few different ways. So one being hidden expenses, right? Hidden credit card debt, hiding um, cash, mm. or even controlling. Yeah. So we worked with a couple one time where he we're talking with them and he says you know i go through mcdonald's for lunch sometimes and my wife will call me and say hey why did you get a large drink and that just that controlling of money and so financial fidelity can take a lot of different um, avenues yeah. can pop up in a lot of different ways but it does bring about a lot of the same insecurities a lot of the same emotions that mm. other types of infidelity occur. in an unscientific way when you look at the number of couples that you've talked about I guess it's a little startling to me that what I imagine would be a a fair number of couples that do have hidden accounts or money stashed away and they don't talk together as a couple about it. Is that pretty common? Hmm. It is. So uh, statistically, we show about 65% of, uh, especially women, have a hidden credit card or hidden debt. What is that saying when they do that? I think that it stems from generations of 
women teaching the younger generation to have that mad money, that safety net, just in case something happens, that they'll have a little money set aside in case the marriage doesn't work out. I think that some of it stems from that. And then, of course, it also stems from um, the feeling of, I know better than he does. So he's spending the money in a way that I don't feel it should be spent. So in order to have that safety net, I'm going to have to take it upon myself to start saving away. Hmm. I was just going to say, that sounds like there's not communication again, right? Yes, it always boils down to communication. In that context, too, it kind of leads into that fear-based situation, which, again, is going to be one of the roots of division within the marriage, you Mm -hmm. know, for whatever reason. But certainly money will create that, especially fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. regarding money. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I guess there'd be two ways of looking at that. You have insecurities, let me call it that, mm-hmm. and you've described that. What about the other side of that where we can't pay our bills, we have a lot of debt? Um, how do we balance that fear and lack of confidence with the security and peace of mind that God wants us to experience? I mean, you're in it. If you're in that well, yeah. that deep well, that pit, of debt and everything else. How do we overcome the fear of that and start working on getting rid of it? You know, for for me, I think a lot of it comes down to a lot of people are in debt and above, you know, in over their heads. Um, And a lot of it comes from things that aren't biblical. You know, it's the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh. And so, number one, we tell people, if, if you're in that situation, the Bible makes it really clear, we need to repent, right? We need to go to our Heavenly Father and say, hey, I messed up, you know, I've, I've done wrong and realize that it wasn't some outside circumstances. It wasn't your neighbor that used your credit card, right? It was you. And, and we made those decisions as a couple or independently and really just come to that realization that, hey, we, we have failed. We're not blaming others. And let's get on the same page. Uh, we're, we're big proponents of we're on the same team. If you're in that pit of despair, a lot of times you got to realize, hey, we're on the same team. We got into this together. We're going to get out of it together and, and really sit down and work on that plan. But from an aspect of realizing we got ourselves into this. Well, and let me stress that point because what you're saying is, yeah, you're on the same team, but in this context, you can really be divided. Yeah. And that's not a healthy way to solve the problem uh, of how do we get out of debt. Uh, you talk about a money dump. Um, boy, it sounds like fun. Where can we go? Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> I don't think dump. that's what you're talking about. But it does sound like fun, but what's yeah. your version of the money dump? Yeah, so the money dump is is where we want couples to get together at least once a year, right? And we, we say once a year to really just dump it all out, right? Let's just get all the fears, all the insecurities, all the issues, all the worries out on the table. Let's just dump it on the table and let's come. Let's what does that sound it. like? Give me help between a husband and a wife. Um, for us, that means, hey, we're not going to have the kids around, right? Um, it's something that we've planned, and so we have thoughts together, so it's not spontaneous. You know, it's not bringing up a bunch of old fears or concerns. It's really, this is where I am right now, and this is why. Um, so we've thought about it. We've written out some ideas, and we're having a, a really good conversation about it. Huh. And so that money dump, it, it just helps to ignite the conversations, helps to keep the couple um, back on the same page. And, you know, some people say, well, that's only once a year. You're only talking about money once a year. It's like, no, we also have a thing called the money huddle, um, which is where we recommend couples come together. They huddle up 
you know, five, 10, 15 minutes a month and just say, hey, this is where we are. You know, we're, we're, we're moving in our budget. We're making progress. It's not an overnight thing. There's not a switch we can flip and everybody just become a millionaire. It is a progress. And so uh, between the, the money dump and then moving toward a money huddle on a once a month basis, uh, it really helps keep those lines of communication. Uh, we've said this already, but it uh, bears repeating, I think. Conflict about money in your marriage, it, it is inevitable. It's going to happen. I like that idea of getting out there and getting ahead of it and having these discussions and that's what you mean by the money dump when i was looking for those examples it's like honey i think we're in a good place or honey maybe we're not do you feel the same way that would be some of those discussions or maybe we're not saving enough or yeah. maybe we do need a dryer how are we going to pay for that or something like that right. it is. matter of fact i use that because we need a dryer right now <laughs> yeah. That's where you would go over different goals for the family and things like that as well, because typically some of the goals aren't just going to come around without money involved in those goals. So that's where you would discuss also how much we're spending on the children's soccer lessons or private schools or whatever may come up. Yeah, and we've created some really great resources to help couples to open those lines of communication. And so uh, we have questionnaires that couples can use to help start that. It's just say, hey, this is the basis of this money dump, right? Yeah. Um, and really open lines of communication. And that's critical. I mean, I think that's what it's about. Uh, whether it's money, intimacy, faith, uh, having that open line of communication is critical. And let me encourage our listeners uh, to get a copy of The Five Money Personalities, Speaking the Same Love Money Language. It's a great book that can help you overcome these obstacles in your marriage. And this is one of the big ones. Money is a big obstacle, unfortunately, in marriages. Taylor and Megan, this has been really good. I so appreciate you making the time to be here, coming up from Texas and spending a little time with us. I hope many, many couples are helped through your great advice. Thanks. Thank you all. Thank you so much for having us. Taylor Kovar, he and his wife Megan have been our guests today. And we trust that you found this conversation helpful for you and your family's financial situation. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Thanks for joining us for today's Focus on the Family. For free family advice downloads, go to our website at families.org.au. That's families.org.au.